and welcome to Brook Talks America, home of the new right and our Tactical Tuesdays podcast with Joe Dolio, also known as the Joe Stradamus and Brook the Magnificent Show. Welcome, Joe and Lucy, which is out barking around somewhere. Um, just a reminder that you can sign up at each of our sites for alert on new articles and shows. Mine is brooktalksamerica.com. Joe's is tactical-wisdom.com. Leave us a comment and say how much you love the show. And um, just I want to reference, I don't have a new article this week, but I did have an article on uh, trans is the new patriarchy. And I thought that in line with Rocky Levine, getting labeled USA Today's Woman of the Year, that it would be good for you to go to the site and check out my absolutely smashing article on that. Um, it's crazy world where dudes can win the swimming con- contests, competitions, and still be called women. Uh, it's well, you crazy. have to be careful because you can get canceled for that like the Babylon Bee. Yeah, so. not me because I already got kicked off Twitter. So there you go. I love the Babylon Bee, though. Oh, my God. Those are warriors. So hopefully they'll make get or better. What? I saw. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, as a reminder, uh, since this is an audio only podcast, it is, of course, suggested that you have Joe's book to go along with you know, our show, but also that you look up these terms so you have a better understanding of each and how they relate to the discussion. There are some concepts that will make more sense when you uh, see the visuals. And also, like in the book, in this chapter, there are a couple of graphs and pictures, so you want to just make sure that you can see them. Uh, as I mentioned, we're going to be doing hybrid podcasts now, part politics, part preparedness, because the one affects the other, uh, especially things like inflation and, you know, immigration actually does. But also what's going on with Ukraine, there is a lot of stuff that will relate to things that are coming in the very near future with regard to food something that we're going to be talking about in uh you know more in depth in the near future as well. Joe's going to be talking about some of that later with regard to what's going on in Ukraine. Uh the chapter we're going to discuss today is on basic urban skills. Joe, before you get into this, you know, every chapter that you have in here starts with a Bible verse and right. I love this one. Read the Bible verse and then explain in general how urban skills are different from like bug out skills. All right, so so this verse comes from Psalms 55, uh, 9 through 11, and it's the second half of 9 where it starts. And it says, For I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around on its walls, and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst. Oppression and fraud do not depart from the marketplace. Boy, I can't think of a better description of a city uh, or, or an urban area in a without rule of law, right? Yeah. Heck, our cities are like that now. Uh, imagine how much worse they're going to be. That's when Democrat so- rule of law. Yeah, go right? ahead. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. And, and what's important is as we go through this, um, at the end, we're going to talk about how all of these things that we're going to talk about in here apply directly to the situation in the Ukraine. And you're seeing these things that I'm talking about play out over there. So it's really silly. Um and it, it kind of does help if you read this and then watch the news about Mariupol. You're like, wow, if they had only done what the book said, some yeah. of them would probably still be alive. So crazy. Coming soon in Detroit, too. No, I'm sorry. Go right. ahead. <laughs> so 
Um, so first of all, I want to point out that in a without rule of law environment, when law and order has collapsed, there's no police coming. Uh, the city is the very last place you want to be. And I always recommend people to get out as early as possible. So, uh, for example, if, if, if there's a mass power outage and you've got somewhere else to go, go. Because if you leave early and get out ahead of things and you didn't need to, you can always come back. The opposite is not true. If I stay in the city and things devolve and then the roads get blocked with refugees and there's checkpoints set up everywhere, I might not be able to get out. So leave early if you can. And, and that's what brings me to, um, you know, we'll kind of intersperse some of these as we go, if you don't mind. But it brings sure. me to the point of the people living in Mariupol today. And I just before you get into that, I just want to make let people reference Hurricane Katrina. Right. Because right. that is right. exactly what did not happen. All those buses stayed there. They got flooded out and all those people were at the Superdome screwed. So go ahead. Yeah. And, and, and you know, what? and there they actually ordered you to leave your home, just like what happened in Mariupol. So in Mariupol, the people didn't leave. And then there was a humanitarian corridor set up for them to leave. And they walk right down the middle of the road. And of course, lo and behold, an attack happens in the middle of the road. <laughs> Don't rely on somebody else's route. Make your own. Because if I use the route that everyone knows, guess what? Everyone knows, right? Yeah. Uh, everyone knows where I could be found. And if they want to do harm, there it is. So I would find my own way out and always have four or five different routes out that you can use that aren't the approved government ones. Because I don't know why they want me to go down that route. And we're finding that some of the people being killed on these routes are killed by the Azov Battalion wanting to make it look like the Russians were doing it. So let's refresh. Let's refresh who the Azov Battalion is just for the people in the back. Yeah. In case you didn't know, they are actual literal Nazis. I don't care how good they are at combat. I don't care that they're slowing down the Russians. They are actual literal Nazis who are um, who are crucifying prisoners, who are shooting civilians. They're killing civilians who aren't leaving. On our show yesterday morning over on uh, the Writers Fix Problems channel, we showed testimony from probably 10 or 15 different groups who said, yeah, we went to go to the humanitarian corridor. Azov stopped us and shot all the men. Mm. Um, so, uh, and it, some dude said that they were going to castrate all the well, Russian soldiers. That's a doctor with the Russian prisoners. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's pretty sad. So my point is if you can get out of an urban area, when something starts to happen, whether it's a power outage or a natural disaster or God forbid a civil conflict in the United States or, uh, an EMP strike, get out of the city as quickly as you can. So that, that's my first caveat. You don't want to be in a city if you can. But I understand that there are a lot of people who don't really have an option. So you should be starting what's called a neighborhood protection group like right now, finding your locals, finding the others who are going to stay and start talking about how you're going to protect your neighborhood. Because the time to figure it out is not as the rioters are coming down your road. So that that's really important. Um and, you know, and all these guys want to talk about close quarters battle skills, right? So it's, that's the building clearing skills you see the military doing and all of that. We're not talking about that. that. That's not us. We're not going to be out trying to seize other people's buildings, right? We're defending our own homes. And, and yeah, there is a defensive aspect to it. And, and I know a, a thing or two about that. Um, but that's not our objective. Our objective is to defend our own home uh, and all of that. And those skills we're going to talk about in here. Um the cool thing is, is that the urban area with all the buildings and, and how hard it is to see a long ways 
it really favors someone defending their home. It's very hard to actually attack a house if the people in it are prepared to defend it. And that's the key, us learning how to defend our home. Um, so uh, that's where we got to go. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about how to do these things in the urban environment. Camouflage is one of the first things. So we talked about camouflage before um, a few chapters ago. Um, but camouflage, you have to think differently uh, in the urban environment. Like I said before, camouflage isn't something you wear. Camouflage is something you do. So you have to look at your environment. And most woodland camouflage patterns don't really work well because in the urban environment, there aren't a lot of trees unless you're at the park, right? Uh, and there's in and, and certain times of year, there's no grass. And, and so you have to look at your urban area and decide what the predominant color is. Um, and if we're honest with ourselves, in most cities, it's tan, brown, and gray, right? Exactly. The building's all those colors, and it's all dull, uh, and it's a little bit dirty, and, and blah, 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 especially as you get in that downtown area. So for that reason, you want to look at wearing, uh, if you're going to wear a military uniform, something um, desert-related, right, with different kinds of tan or brown. Uh, you could wear black and gray clothes, like black pants, gray shirt, whatever, uh, or the grayer law enforcement type camouflage, like ATAX law enforcement camouflage or multicam black, something that's darker colored, right? Um, now, I are you talking about in the daytime? Yeah, yeah, or night, or night, either because one. Because if you're in the daytime and you're wearing camo, aren't you going to stick? I mean, I know you would say gray man goes out the window, but... We're talking about an urban environment that is collapsed. We're not yeah. talking about everyday life. Yeah, that's true. Go ahead. So I want to look like one of two things. So I want to either not be seen, which is why I'm camouflaging myself, right? Mm -hmm. Or two, I want to look like someone you don't want to mess with. I want <laughs> okay. them to look at me. No, seriously, I want them to look at me and think, hey, that guy's probably a soldier and he's probably part of a military unit. So I'm going to leave him alone because I don't want them to come after me. Right. Um, Good and, point. And we, we want to play every card we can get or um, reason why I recommend the law enforcement type camouflages in an urban environment. Hey, if, if, if they mistake me for part of the local SWAT team and they go the other way, that solves my purposes just as well. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to avoid that conflict. And if I can look like something I'm not, uh, it's like they're they're like insects who look like a snake or things like that. It's the same thing. I'm trying to look like something other than what you want to mess with. Exactly. Okay, so get into basic urban movement. All right. So this is this is this is one of Brooke's favorite things because she really likes talking about crawling around on the ground and getting dirty. <laughs> um, so the first thing is is that uh, moving at night is way better than moving in the daytime. I don't want to be seen at all in a without rule of law environment. Gray man is out the window. I want to be the you never saw me man. Um, so nighttime is better. Um, but sometimes I can't. So. I want to try to move inside buildings as much as I can rather than out on the street. Um, the reason for that is, is because people look for humans in normal places, right? They're going to look for other humans on the street. If I can stay in the building, no one can see me. So I want to try to find uh, commercial blocks or areas like that where I can move by staying inside the building as far as possible. Um, so that's what you want to try to do. If you can't, Use backyards and alleys rather than out on the road. Um, now, in a lot of neighborhoods, there's there's lots of fences and things like that where you can't really easily move along the backyards. That's fine. Walk through the yards close to the houses. 
Because again, anyone who comes down that road is going to look right down the road for other humans. They're not going to look up by the buildings. They're going to look on a sidewalk in the street. Stay as close to the buildings as you can, because if somebody pops out, you can duck behind the building, into the building, whatever it is. Um, so what I want to do is get off the road. Um, we, we saw in the Balkans, we've seen it everywhere else that um, we've seen it in Iraq, Afghanistan, whatever, that on the roads, that's what the snipers watch. And they're going to shoot you and send a couple of their buddies over to take all your stuff after they've shot you. Stay off the road if you can. Um, and if you can't get up against the buildings, don't walk actually on the hard top of the road. Uh, and we even saw a video um, of some of the uh, the separatist militias at the beginning of this Russia-Ukraine war. They got ambushed and they were on a bridge. Well, when you're ambushed on a bridge, you don't really have a lot of options, right? But they stayed on the bridge and started running. And you just see in the video, they're all dropping down and getting oh. hit. So we want to avoid being on the road as much as we can. Uh, really, really, really simple. Um, crossing a wall is like we talked about before. Quickly look over and then roll over the top. Don't lift your whole body up and stand up on the wall and jump down because you'll be seen. Just get one arm and one leg over and roll right over the top of it and hit the ground on the other side. Um, and not, not just that, you offer them a like if you're at a shooting range, you offer them a bigger mass to hit. Absolutely. Absolutely. If somebody was watching that wall, you're offering them a pretty darn big target. If I roll over it fast and low, I offer them a very small target. Um, the other thing is when we're walking down the road or we're, we're traversing down a street and we come to a corner, the normal human being thing to do is to stop and look out at eye level. Uh, and I, I've pointed it out several times as we went through this, that human beings are fundamentally lazy. So we look for other humans at eye level. Um, so what I want to do is when I get to the corner, I either want to take a knee or lay all the way down on the ground and just slide my head out around that corner and peek down at ground level rather than up where you're going to be looking for another person. Um, it's a great way to, to, to look around a corner, but not looking from where someone else can see. And Something we've discussed all of this in previous podcasts, prone position, knee, different crawling, different stuff like that. So right. make it, sure you check those out. Absolutely. And and something that I carry in my backpack, um, on my, my, my get home bag is a dental mirror. And what a dental mirror is, yeah. is it's a real small mirror on a uh, on an expandable handle. Right. So I might even slide a mirror like out a of, selfie stick, yeah, like a selfie stick. Yeah. Right. I might slide that mirror around the corner and use it to look first. Uh, anything I could do to limit my exposure. Um, this is also where th something that I've talked about a lot, and there's a link to it on, on my website, is uh, is a trench periscope. And what a trench periscope is, it came from World War One. It's this little handheld periscope that you can look through, but it, 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 it would go up over your head like a regular periscope. But I can also use it at an angle. I can stick it out around a corner and look at it from my side, and it's going to show me what's around the corner. So uh, a trench periscope is about a foot and a half long. It fits right in your backpack. It's a great thing for looking around corners, looking through windows without sticking your head in the window, looking over a wall without sticking your body up over a wall. Great tool to have. So check that out, trench periscope. Great thing, um, especially in an urban environment. That's where I would use it the most. And uh, and I keep one in my, uh, in my get-home bag. All right. So, Go ahead. So there's a technique called pieing a corner or pieing a door. And basically um, that that involves coming up to that to the opening and looking and seeing what you can. You're going to be very close to the wall at first and you're glancing straight ahead and looking at the opening. Then you move a little bit to your left 
or or right, whichever way you're moving, but we're going to assume left, right? I'm going to take just a just a half step to the left, look through it again, another half step, another half step, until I'm all the way around it. And what it does is it only exposes me to a small portion of the room, right? So instead of me just stepping in the doorway or, or putting my whole body in the window to look, I'm just looking at small slices of the room as I pass, and eventually I'm, I'm backwards, but I've passed the opening, and I was able to check it without actually going through it to see what's in there. So there's a really cool graph on it in the book. Uh, grab that. Um, it's called Slicing the Pie. Great way to go past windows um, or doors. Uh, another thing is, is as you're walking down a street or walking past buildings or running past them, watch out for uh, basement windows, right? If someone is hiding in that basement and they see your legs go by, they know you're there or they can shoot you in the leg. And let me just tell you, in without rule of law situation, a leg wound can, oh, yeah. right? Uh, you can bleed out. There's a lot of bad things that can happen. You should always try to move parallel to the buildings and stay in their shadow and always pick out where you're going before moving next. Again, we're not trying to blend in. We're not trying to be gray man. We're trying to be completely unseen, way better than anything else. Um, and just like anywhere else, if I come to a road and I have to cross it, I want to cross it quickly, low and at the uh, at the at the at the narrowest point, right? So I don't, I'm not going to walk cut across the corner diagonally. I'm going to come up on it and cross it fast. Um, and now, so let me ask. So when we're talking about this at this particular point in the discussion, we're you're you're referring to daytime. Well, right? can, like because it's, it's kind yeah. of different. And the reason I let me the reason I ask you is because like I was sitting there thinking last night. I think I was watching a movie or something, and I thought about you know, what we were going to be discussing today. And I thought I would really like to go out and actually work on my night vision because, you know, I'm obsessed with night vision goggles and I really need to have some. If someone can write me a check for a thousand bucks, I'd really appreciate it. But or send me some sponsor. Uh, anyways, until I get that to actually go out at night into and look and work on my night vision. But what you're talking about is it's it's really different if you're going in between buildings in the daytime is a lot different at night because you would definitely be better covered at night just naturally because there's no sun. Right. Correct. Correct. But the problem with night vision, there's a couple of problems with night vision in an urban environment. And, uh, and, my, and my veteran buddies can all back this up is number one is an absolute loss of depth perception. Right. If yeah. I'm wearing these goggles, I'm, I'm not really seeing what's closest to me and I could run into things. Um, and the quality's gotten a lot better on them. So a lot of the issues have gone away, but they're still there. And the other one is that a sudden bright light, like someone lighting a fire or someone shining a flashlight in my direction, means that I can't see at all. Uh, it flares out my night vision. It's not going to come back to working order for probably 10 or 15 seconds as it resets. So you have to be. Um, you have to be careful about things like that. So I, I've, I'm a firm believer that we rely way too much on night vision. Um, and, and, and I've said this about a few things. That American, you mean goggles? Uh, anything night yeah. vision. Really. No, I'm talking about my actual eyes. Like I was going to say, how would I do it where I go out and I actually walk at night, whether it's in buildings and out, to actually check that out? Uh, so you want to improve your own night vision? My natural – yes, yes. I uh, I'm so, obsessed with getting night vision goggles, but I mean my actual vision at night. Well, to improve, know. first of all, is to do it more, right? Yeah. So that's the first thing. Um, and, and we're going to talk a lot about night vision in book four or, or, or improving your own night vision in book four. But, okay. but 
but but you can do you can eat better, right? Avoid certain foods. Um, eat a lot of vegetables, better for your eyes. Um, avoid smoking. Smoking is terrible for your night vision. Um, and um, stay in a darkened area for about 30 minutes before you go out. Uh, that will really get your eyes accustomed to the dark. Okay, good. Good. That's a good tip. Yeah. And the other okay. thing is in the dark. You ever notice we're in, when you're in the dark and you see something and you try to focus on it and it vanishes? That's because your night vision works differently than your day vision. Your day vision allows you to focus on things. But at night, you have to look just to the right or left of it and use the cones in your eyes instead of the rods. So you need to be looking off center at things rather than directly at them. If you look directly at anything at night, you're going to not be able to see it anymore because uh, your eyes use a, a substance called visual purple in your eyes that helps you see better. Um, so look slightly off to the right or left of something in order to see it better. Very interesting. It is. Okay. It is. Um, so, so that's a good thing. Um, when we want to, uh, we want to try to, to cross the road at, at the narrowest point. I already talked about that. Um, when entering a building in a in a without rule of law situation, not not day to day. Obviously, day to day, we had to go through the door. But, but in a in a collapsed or an urban combat environment, you want to enter through the door. At, that's your very last resort. I want to come in through a window. I want to come in through the second floor. I want to avoid any first floor door because if anyone is in that house defending the house, they're going to be watching that front door. So you want to be able to come in any other way. Um, if you've got a whole team and you're moving along the street, stay. you move half your team on one side of the street, half on the other. And the reason for that is this. With as tall as the buildings are in a city, if I'm on the left side of the road, I'm going to be watching the houses and buildings on the right side of the road above my other guys for them because they can't see it because they're too close to it. And they're going to do the same for me. So you're going to get to opposite sides of the road and watch the opposite side of the road as you're moving. That way you're able to watch second and third floor windows better uh, without being in the middle of the road. Uh, in an urban environment, you have to be more worried about that second and third floor. And you also have to worry be worried about underground, which we'll get to later. Um, also, not so much in Florida. Not so much in Florida. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah, yeah, you'll be underwater. We don't, we don't, <laughs> it's alligators. We've talked about that. If I got to work, watch out for alligators. I got bigger problems. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, one other thing in an urban environment is rear security becomes vital because there's so much clutter and so many more people in an urban environment. There's in a wooded environment. You have to be worried about someone following you. So mm -hmm. Um, they're going to wait until you're back at your own home base and comfortable before attacking you or stealing what you have or what you found. So um, pay a lot of attention to who's behind you. And we cross intersections just like we cross the other danger areas we talked about before. We stop just in front of them and then we uh, just in front of it. And then we send you know part of the team across while the other part watches both ways. Then we bring the other half across. Don't just all go across at once. Stop, put security on the near side, send a couple of guys over, have them make sure it's safe, then bring everyone else over. Uh, but you have to do it that way or you risk getting caught in the middle of an intersection with fire coming from all over the place. So as you can see as we're going through this, the urban environment is not a fun place to be without rule of law. Uh, rioting or things like that can make it very, very dangerous. Or um, in Detroit on any average day, just saying. Now, it's not nearly that bad, but <laughs> I won't exactly walk across Detroit. But 
Um, if your group gets attacked, find the nearest building and then figure out what you're going to do. The best thing to do is to is to just get away from the location and don't get in that fight. Um, the worst thing you could do is stay on the street. Yeah. Get off the street. Now, how would you prepare a building for defense? And what are some things that you would suggest against doing like that people might not be thinking of? For, for once, for one example is like someone might think to shoot over something as opposed to around it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So here's the first thing. You, if you are going to stay in an urban area in a without rule of law environment, you absolutely must harden your building. At some point, someone's going to come to that house to see if anyone is living there and to see if anyone left food behind, right? They might think your house is vacant, but they're still going to come to it. So you have to prepare it for a defense no matter what. Um, this is even more true if you're the only person in your neighborhood who is prepared. You've got a 10-year stock of food. Your neighbors have none. A month and a half into a, into some sort of a, of a societal collapse, and they're all looking like skeletons, but you're not losing any weight. They know why. They know that you have food. Yep. So um, they're going to come take a look at you. So if your house has a whole bunch of doors and you're not using them all, nail them shut. Uh, make it hard for people to get in. Put stuff in front of them. Uh, put plywood over first floor windows and barricade them. Now, in the next book, in defensive operations, we go into detail on how to do that. But you can mount that plywood just like in a hurricane, right? You can mount the plywood right in that window frame uh, to protect it. Um, but on your upper level windows, you want those to be able to open because if somebody does attack your house, you want to be able to fire from that elevated position. But you take some wire mesh like chicken wire or something smaller and attach that to a board that you can mount over your window. That way, if they go to throw a rock or a Molotov cocktail through your window, that mesh will stop it and bounce it back out. But you can still shoot through the mesh or, or communicate or get air, whatever you need. But that mesh keeps things from being thrown through your window. Uh, it's cheap. It's easy to buy. You just attach it to a two by four and then mount it above your window. I know you're thinking nails on the side of my house. Well, it's better than your house burning down. So, you know what's really funny though? You and I had talked about this before. We joked about, you know, how the prepper shows always have the craziest bunkers and everything. You know, when I was reading this chapter to, you know, prepare for the podcast, I was looking around my house and I have a two story and I was thinking about the stairs and exactly what you're talking about. And I was thinking about this one show that I had that I saw where the guy had in the crazy bunker, the upstairs, it was like a piece of wood that was falling that he had, you know, he had rigged that if he pressed a button to fall that had these long spikes on it. And I was thinking about how I could do that in my house to rig it up so that I could just send those long spikes down in case anybody came up the stairs. We call that the Kevin McAllister defense from home. Alone. Exactly. I love it. I have to figure that out. <laughs> That's I'm what, just going to start blasting. H. Jansen, yes, I said it. Okay, I can't take it. Go they're ahead. They're not bad ideas. So I, I talk about how to, uh, in, in the third book, how to make your own board with, with spikes on it that you could set on a stairway or set in a backyard or whatever. It's nothing more than taking a two-by-four or, or not two-by-four, but a piece of plywood and putting a bunch of nails through it, right? Yeah. You throw it on the ground and hide it or, or whatever, or you put it through a section of garden hose. Whatever it is, and you could toss it out there, and it is an obstacle to someone breaking into your house. Um, so if you've got unused rooms, block them off and barricade the doors. 
um, so that people, if, if somebody does break their way into those rooms, they can't get anywhere else. Um, unused stairs and hallways, block them. Furniture, barbed wire. You can buy razor wire for $500 for 500 feet at Home Depot. I guess it's, no, it's $250 for 500 feet. So it's not a bad price. Um, you can block off your stairs entirely and use ladders um, through holes and floors. I mean, we're talking, we're talking about drastic measures here, right? But Especially we're also, if you don't have to go out because you're going to be screwed if you put some razor wire and then you end up having to go that way out. Well, here's the thing. If we're talking about a full-on societal collapse, there's no power and it's going on for months, um, you have to sleep, right? Yeah. If my stairs are still open and I got all those downstairs windows and doors that people can get in, I really can't sleep safely. But if I've completely blocked off my stairs, but I cut a hole in one unused area like the like a bathroom or mm. or or a bedroom we're not using laundry it. room. Yeah. If I cut a hole in that ceiling and dropped a ladder between there, I can pull that ladder up at night and I'm safe. No one can get to my second floor. Yeah. Right? Um, and it's just it, we're talking drastic measures. We're not talking uh, current world. We're talking total collapsed world here um, or or like like we're seeing in Mariupol. Right. If yeah. I lived in Mariupol right now, I would be taking these steps uh, or any of the cities, Kiev, any of them. Uh, you so, got to translate your book into Ukrainian. Yeah, most of them speak English. Oh, the Russian. We, it was a joke, Joey D. It was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, What's I a mouse hole? Um, what's that? What's a mouse hole? A mouse hole is a hole you make in a wall between rooms so that you can crawl between the rooms without actually walking down the hallway. So let's say um, the, the building you live in or the house you live in is attacked and there's bad guys inside there or as we Marines call, the boarders have made it on board the ship. Um, you might not want to appear in a hallway because they might be shooting down that hallway or watching that hallway, right? Instead, if I can have a hole between two rooms, I can crawl through that hole. I can get along the length of my house without actually using a hallway. And and that's um, a pretty good idea. And that's what we talked about, that hole from the first floor to the second floor. You could put a ladder through. It's the same thing. It's a mouse hole. Now, so, this would be something that you do before you create that before it falls apart or while because that would make some noise if you're pounding against the wall. Well, see, this would be something I would have planned. But right. as um, if society goes completely sideways and it looks like it's not coming back, I would start it immediately. It's not something you do while they're attacking your house. It's something you already have in place. Yes. Yeah. OK. Um, the other thing, too, is if you've got a team of people protecting your house and you're using radios, use them on the lowest power possible. Um, that way other people can't you know, just use a scanner and listen to what you're talking about and figure out your plans. Right. So use the lowest power setting and, and, and be, be very careful about what you put out on the radio. Um, and again, it always seems like I'm going way over the top and all that. But we're talking about a without rule of law society where there are hungry people who are going to act crazy when they want them. We're talking zombie apocalypse here, right? And you might think, oh, that's never, ever going to happen. But talk to people who survived the Balkan War and talk to people who lived in Argentina during their economic collapse. <laughs> talk to people living in Mariupol, Kiev, Kharkiv. Venezuela. Of, right now, Venezuela. Yeah. Um, and they're going through situations where these things would help them. So we have to be very, very, very careful. Um, well, and again, 
we we talk about this as always. It's uh, you know, I used to be a chef, and we had the saying like, better to need a have and not need than need and not have. That's the principle. If you know this stuff and you have it, and you know, but you don't have to do every single solitary thing. But just the general principles, you have these ideas, and you'll know what to do when it happens. You have it on hand, and you can use it. And then you won't have to go get something at the store, which is not open, you know. So these are skills that you can have as part of your natural understanding that when it hits the fan, you'll say, OK, I heard it in, you know, Brooke and Joe's podcast. And that's why I have it. So and, and yeah. we're talking about the absolute worst case scenario. Exactly. You plan for the absolute worst case scenario and anything less than that happens. You're in great shape. Yeah. So. um the biggest threat, though, in, in, in defending in an urban environment is fire. So you need to have uh, and there's no fire department coming to help you, mind you. So you need to have as much uh, firefighting materials on hand as you can. Uh, so one of the first things that we, people always talk about in preparedness is fill your tubs and sinks with water. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but we also need to get buckets of water from wherever we can um, and stage them throughout our house to to fight fires. But the important thing is if I put water in the middle of my living room for fighting fires, I should only ever use it for that. I don't take it to wash my face or use it for anything else unless I immediately replace it because you don't need to go to grab that bucket while the house is on fire and not have that bucket. Mm-hmm. Um, you also don't need to treat that water. So you, it's not water you have to boil or do chemical treating on. You can use any water to fight a fire. So – um, have some water staged and ready throughout the house. You can put sand or dirt down, um, fire extinguishers. It, after a society collapses and you're you're out moving around and gathering up supplies, whatever you can, anytime you find a fire extinguisher, bring it back to you, right? You can't have too many. Um, and if that building's no longer occupied, you know, the department store down the road, they're not going to miss the fire extinguisher. Use it. We're talking about for the common good here. Um, not for that one particular business. Um, I have a question about fire extinguishers. Do you yeah. have to do you have to check them? At, like, how often do you have to check them? And can you take them down to your local fire station and they look at them? Or how does it work? Do you know? Well, you, normally you, you use a private company to come out and inspect uh, them. But okay. but that's once a year, and every single month you should be checking to make sure that it's still sealed and that the gauge is in the green. Um, fire extinguisher um, inspection companies generally put a tag on there. And if you flip the tag over on the back, it's got a spot for you to write down monthly inspections. And if you own a business, it's usually a requirement of your insurance company that you do that. Um, But if in your home, it's not a bad idea every single month to check your fire extinguishers, make sure they're good. Uh, And don't have the bare minimum, have as many fire extinguishers as you can. What if Uh, it's not, what would you do? Like, you know, we're planning we're planning to do this for this podcast. If I want to, you know, check my fire extinguishers, what do I do? If they're not any good, replace yeah. them. Get a new one. No, but can't you just like ref like if they're missing something? I don't really know anything about fire extinguishers, well, you so call you have fire to extinguish your company and they'll come out and refill them or or whatever. Okay. But generally, unless you have ten or fifteen that need it, it's cheaper to just go and buy a new one. A new one. Okay. Okay. But the fire station wouldn't do that? No. Okay. They don't do that for liability reasons. Oh, okay. Okay. 
And right. another thing to buy is you can find on Amazon is a fire blanket. They're like $25. And the reason why you want a fire blanket is, is not only that to throw it on a fire to put it out, but if that fire gets really bad in your house, you can put the fire blanket around you and run out of the house through the fire. And a couple, if you need it, I'm sorry to say this, but for the critters. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Just saying. Yeah. I guarantee I you that to... dogs and cats will get out before you do. Um, yeah. But dogs will come back for you. Dogs I know. will you die in a fire. So I know. It's terrible. Okay. So talk about urban positions and urban observation posts. We, you know, we discussed the observation posts in, in, uh, for when you're bugging out, but this is going to be when you're urban and everything. And how do you tell if people are hunting rather than just looking for food? Right on. So the first thing that you want to think about is think about where you can fire from in your urban environment. Don't shoot over things or observe over things because you can be seen that way. Shoot around or, or, or observe around the end of walls and vehicles, right, rather than over the top. And uh, in, 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 in talking about cars, you need to understand, first of all, that cars are not cover. Cars do not stop bullets, despite what you see in the movies. You, know, you see a guy pop the door open and he stands behind the door and somebody shoots the door five times. If somebody shoots that door five times, that guy behind it is dead. The bullets <laughs> come right through the door. Uh, we did an exercise uh, at um, at a certain private security company's training facility down in Moyot, North Carolina, uh, that sends bodyguards all over the world. Uh, they take you out and you do a day of what's called a media shoot. And they, they put a car out there and they put a whole bunch of targets behind the car. And then you shoot the car and you see how often your rounds go right through the car. Yeah. And there are very few places uh, in shooting the car that the bullet didn't go through. So If you ain't driving in the beast, honey, you're dead. Right, right. Yeah. So don't count on a car for cover. Um, and, and I always say this. We've seen a few videos out of uh, out of Ukraine of it. If you're if you get attacked in a car and your car gets disabled, get away from the car because people are going to keep shooting at the car yeah, and it's not yeah. going to protect you one bit. So um, areas where you can actually get cover in a car are the metal wheels, not the tires, the wheels that the tires sit on, um, and maybe the engine block, but it's hard to tell where the engine actually sits in that engine block. That's not the whole front end of the car. It's a very small part. So I actually recommend the axles. Get behind the wheels and shoot under the car, uh, not over the top. Um, okay, and, okay. and that's vital because if you if you if you're trying to shoot on uh, over the car, you can be seen, and anywhere you're hiding behind it, it's not going to help you. Um, what if, if you do What if you do super tactical stuff and you get yourself on the axles of the car, suspend yourself, and then shoot with one arm underneath it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought we were talking about real life. Uh, I didn't. Realize. It's Mission Impossible, <laughs> isn't that real life? Come on, Joey. I we had Botkin from uh, T Rex Arms on here and his weird vehicle stuff he does. Uh, he actually has a video where he advocates jumping on top of the hood of a moving vehicle, which is stupid because they're going to hit you and just run you over. It's dumb. But anyway, yeah, there's a lot of weird things on YouTube that people do that make no sense. None. So and, and um, not just jackass, just regular yeah. people. Yeah. Or, or like like all these training videos from these random guys on the Internet. Yeah. Not everyone on the Internet is actually a shooting instructor. They act like they are, but they teach some very sketchy things. The so. fat mustache guy is not an actual instructor. Come on, Joey. you got to be kidding me. You know who I, I'm talking about, right? 
leg. Yeah. Oh my God, it's delicious. I swear I wish I was on Twitter. That's make it made me so sad just to say that because that's the kind of stuff we would be talking about it. Uh, tell the homies I miss them. Okay, keep going. All right. So um, if you're shooting from inside of a building, um, stay back away from the window and don't stick your, your gun out the window. Um, use the shadows wherever you can. Um, and then make what's called a loophole. A loophole is much like that mouse hole. A loophole is a hole in the side of a building to shoot out instead of using a window. And if you've got a house with shingle or siding shingles or it's got um, anything decorative on it, you can hide loopholes behind that because a dark spot just looks like a dark spot. And you can shoot from those. And uh, it keeps people knowing where the rounds are coming from and and, and you can help out um, in, in your own defense. If you're going to fire from a roof, though, you want to um, hide up against a chimney or smokestack. You can either you can use that either to shoot from or as an observation post. But you've got to use something to break up your outline because a human being looking over the top of a roof looks like nothing more than a human being looking over the top of a roof unless you hide in the shadow of a chimney or something like that. Yeah. Um, if I happen to be walking in the open and somebody shoots at me, rather than running away from the building, I should run towards that building. Because if they're inside the building and shooting at me, they have to lean out in order to shoot at me anymore, right? And then I have the opportunity to shoot them back. So if somebody fires from a window, rather than running away from that building, run right at it and get as close as you can uh, to enable you to defend yourself. Um, something that you can do for your neighborhood is block the end of your street with cars. But if you park a car there, let the air out of the tires so that somebody can't just roll the vehicle out of the way. Right. If if it's on, sitting on the rims, it's a lot harder to push than it's sitting on wheels. Um, so that's what now I what would, about putting some C4 in the seat? I'm not going <laughs> to talk about that. to some debt cord? I'm just uh, kidding, Agent Jensen. I'm kidding. Go ahead. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. It's, it's possible. We'll just say that. <laughs> I know nothing about it myself. So Me neither. It was, I just watched a movie. I watched a movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I watched Shooter last night, so now I'm all jacked up about this shit. Okay. Go. So um, the next observation posts so you're gonna need observation posts in in, in the urban environment to uh, watch the roads coming towards you or watch a major intersection or, or see who's moving around in the city um, if things are relatively calm your observation post could just be two people sitting on a porch right or someone up on a roof by the chimney uh, just chilling um, it's harder to detect an urban environment if you put them inside of a building and, and they don't smoke, they don't shine lights, and they're quiet, right? You can just slide them in, uh, and they can sit there and watch. Um, but you have to make sure that building is vacant and somebody doesn't live there. Um, but in an urban environment, it's really hard to tell who's a good guy and who's a bad guy. Um, so the key is behavior analysis. Look for someone who appears to be looking for other people, like somebody who is lurking, somebody who is watching others move. That's a bad guy, right? He's looking for a victim. And you can tell when somebody is actually lurking as opposed to somebody just walking around. Right? We're not talking about uh, Joe Biden. We're just talking about John Doe. Go ahead. But but that's a good point. If they're walking around looking like Joe Biden, it's probably a bad dude. So <laughs> Joe uh, Biden yeah. looks like a bad dude. Right, right. Yeah. So in the urban environment, watch for people who are more concerned about other people than they are, say, looking for food in a, in a without rule of law situation. Most people's time will be occupied 
in looking for food and water. If you got one guy who's busy watching everybody else and following everybody else, that guy's the predator and you need to keep a real close eye on him. Especially right. if he's high and he's looking for drugs. That's another thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so talk about subterranean operations and why I shouldn't freak out and think of Shawshank Redemption because subterranean means underground. And what is underground but the way you operate your turlet? Well, that's true. And we had a very funny text conversation earlier today for everybody else listening about this. But underneath every city, there's another whole city. There's uh, utility tunnels. There are storm sewers. There are sanitary sewers. Um, all different kinds of, of things underground. And what you need to know is learn that network. And you can go into and out of cities uh, completely underground. Um one of the problems that Russia is going to have if they invade Odessa, which is where I'm telling you that's going to happen here in the next few days, is that o Odessa has almost 400 miles of underground catacombs, like an entire dugout fortress underground in that city. So that's going to really suck for them. Um, but you need to learn what's available in your town. So in any town in North America – there's the two different sewer systems. There's the sanitary sewer, which has your your actual sewage, right? The one you don't want to be in. And then the other one is the is a storm sewer, which is just water runoff uh, from from the roads that goes into that sewer and works its way uh, out to either a treatment plant or out to a river or whatever it is, right? Um, they pretty much go out and they're usually blocked by gates so people can't walk in the ends of them. But if you have a good pair of bolt cutters, you can use these systems to get around so that's just going to be dirty water or like water with leaves or whatever yep dirty yep. water whatever lives in it so you have to yeah. think about that too there'll probably be animals down there um but it is a way to get around without being seen or heard um understand that it's cramped uh and that there's potential for gases in there so you have to leave the leave the manhole cover open before you go in but they do offer really good tactical value if you know how they are so if I was in a city like New York or Chicago, I know that there are some underground rail systems I could use um, or, um, you know, any city like that. I, I know that there are some some I can use the subway system to move around, but I understand a lot of other people will, too. Yeah. Um, but the sewers, there'll be a lot less people using. So the storm sewer, it's not exactly going to be fun and clean, but it's cleaner than an actual um, sewage sewer. So. Yeah. Figure out how, where they run in your city. You can usually go and get a, a city map from your clerk's office and, or your public works department, and it'll give you a map of the sewer system um, or, or the water system, and that, that explains both the sewers that are on there. Uh, and you can uh, learn how to get out of your area that way if you want to. Um, but it's important to know that the storm sewer, uh, if you jump in it, they can fill up very, very quickly and be very, very dangerous. So um, – the first thing you do is if you're going into one, you got to leave it open for about 10 or 15 minutes because that the manhole cover where you take it off, that's a there's like a, a ladder leading down to the actual sewer itself. And that ladder space can fill with gases. Mm -hmm. So make sure you leave it open for all those gases to come out uh, so you can't go in there. Uh, when you're first entering a, a sewer system, hang out for a couple of minutes to see if anyone starts to feel lightheaded. Nobody feels lightheaded. You're going to be safe. 
Um, but in any sewer system, tie each other together in case someone falls down. Um, that water in the bottom can be moving very fast if it's raining. And you want to be able to pull it and help each other out. Um, you can use some kind of a mask to help you with gases or odors under there. What um, are NBC masks? You have that in the uh, book. Nuclear, biological, or chemical. Okay. So like a military mask. Um, if anyone feels lightheaded, immediately go to the nearest manhole cover and get out, right? Um, and you should do it frequently as you move anyway. Um, but if you know your, your your sewer system, you can find your way around. If you don't know it, mark the areas you've already been in with, with either chalk or a chem light or leave something so that you know you came from that direction. If you have to go back, you can follow them backwards. And you also keep yourself from going in circles, right? Um, it will be dark. Light doesn't get down there. You're going to need a flashlight. You're going to need something to see. Um, blue or red lenses can make it harder for someone to see your light at a distance. But understand, though, if you're going to use night vision down there, it's just like using night vision above ground. It looks like a bright flashlight to anybody else using night vision. So you can be seen from a long way off. What about those tactical glasses they advertise? Are those any good? No, it's no. just a gimmick. It's yeah. just some, it's just a blue light blocker. You can get those on your regular glasses, too. Mm. Um, but since we now know that sewers can be used to get around, you might want to think about blocking the storm sewers in your neighborhood by filling it up with stuff, throwing wood down there, whatever it is to fill it up to keep people from coming through it into your neighborhood inside of whatever fencing or whatever you've put up. Or a good spike board, spike board that we talked about. Okay. So um, give a recap on the training standard. And then is there anything that you uh, would have put in this, you know, you thought about for this chapter after it was written? So this was like a very basic breakdown. Um, there are a lot more urban skills and a lot more to it than this, but this is just enough to get you through there. And there's another reminder I want to put in here. Um, a caution again against a gray man. You want to look strong and militant to keep anyone from attacking you. If you're trying to be the gray man where you're just moving around as one guy who looks like the average guy, it might actually invite an attack. Mm, yeah. Right? Because you look harmless. They might think, I can take that guy. We don't want to be doing that. So remember that gray man goes out the window in a without rule of law situation. So the training standard is this. You need to be able to describe urban camouflage principles. Number two, you need to be know how to select routes in an urban terrain, and that's that using backyards or trying to go through buildings as much as I can, whatever. Uh, number three is demonstrate the proper method for looking around corners, and that's getting down low and looking around the corner or using a periscope. Um, you need to be able to demonstrate how to pie an opening. We talked about that earlier, that slicing the pie where I just take little half steps as I look in there and keep looking. Um, demonstrate crossing an intersection, and the book talks about how to do that. Uh, explain how to harden a building, like the defenses we talked about with the windows and doors. Um, describe your firefighting um, preparations you can make, like fire extinguishers and dirt and water. Um, explain how what, what various urban firing positions are, like we talked about inside the window or out a loophole and all those uh, – around a car rather than over the car, all that kind of stuff. And then describe the safety rules for working underground subterranean operations. Like we have to be tied together. We have to let the gas dissipate first, right? We have to mark our route so that we don't get lost, things like that. 
so that's all of that. And I think the, the number one thing that I would have added, um, mainly because I didn't even think of it, I just thought it was a given, but this based on my experience, not on anything else, was was buying a trench periscope. You can get them on Amazon for 20 to 40 bucks. Um, and, you know, it's just a little periscope you can stick up in a window so that your head doesn't get blown off. I'd rather somebody shoot my periscope than shoot my head. Yeah. Uh, and it's just a tiny little a tiny little square they would see that able, enables you to look over walls, look around corners, look out windows, whatever it is. Uh, that's really the main thing I would have added to this. Well, and here's the thing. If all else fails, you do all those things, just start blasting. No, I'm just kidding, Agent Jensen. Okay, so to current events, Joe and I have communicated about his 72-hour uh, 72-hour theory, both on and off the air. We've talked about this on the podcast before. Ukraine validates that um, because of the invasion, but also because of some of the things that are happening there now, which also applies to our discussion on preparedness and what happens when the rule of law break down, you know, breaks down. Uh, before we begin, I just want to admit here, you know, this is why I'm going to have Joe talk about it. I don't actually watch any of it, of what's going on in Ukraine. I'll tell you why. Other than what's generally in the headlines, I look at some sites and everything like that. I know we're being spun, okay? If you watch The War Room, uh, John Hyleman, this was, I, I'm trying to get a clip of this because it was just so stunning. He, of MSNBC, you know, he's one of the never-Trumper, neocon, you know, assholes on, on, uh, in the media. He basically admits on camera that there is a finely choreographed Hollywood movie producer type propaganda campaign going on with Zelensky, him going all over the place. I mean, it's amazing. These these people don't even hide it anymore. This is like, you know, there's obviously a real invasion going on. But what he's doing, Zelensky is doing is a finally, you know, choreographed thing. Also, so many of the things and Joe, you know, Joe and I have texted about this because he's still on Twitter. So many of the things which are have been reported to have turned out to be not to be true. Right. So I just assume that most of what's being said is fake news on the part of the left to usher in their new world order. And as part of the neocon right, which can't stop circle jerking about war. Right. So they right. Appoint, you know, they apparently love to create more gold star families. And I, I hate neocons to the core. Either way, you know, I know I'm being lied to. So none of them are sending their kids to do it. That's why I'm saying this because I wanted to ask Joe to talk about it. I, I, I don't really, you know, I kind of tune out because I just wait till whatever's going to happen is we have World War Three or whatever. Hopefully there's a peace deal. You know, I know the neocons don't want that. So, Joe, talk yeah. about what's going on and how it relates to, you know, um, and I, I just want to reference something. This is one of the things they're they're trying to make this, you know, Zelensky out to be. Oh, he's a hero. Ukrainians, uh, it just came out today that they put artillery in residential neighborhoods after a Russian military strike. Okay, so there you go. We're all screwed. Joe, take it away. What's going so, on with regard to our without rule of law and preparedness? You set this up so easy for me to to to, to plug and shield for a show that I'm on. Uh, go ahead. So every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning at 9 a.m. on a channel that is called Writers Fix Problems. Uh, right now, it's going to change the future conflict, but right now it's called Writers Fix Problems. We host a show called the Council on Future Conflict, and Scott and I have on guests uh, and a regular council, and we talk about what's going on around the world, but lately we've been focused on the Ukraine conflict. And um, 
what we do is we have a team of probably eight to 12 former military and former uh, intelligence community guys who gather all of the open source intelligence that's out there. And what we do is we sort out what's true and what's not true. For example, we'll go in and we'll try to, to geolocate a video. They go, oh, this video is supposedly from whatever town on whatever day. And we'll go in and either prove that, yes, that building exists in that location or no, it doesn't. Or this video was is reused because it first appeared in 2014 or whatever. So what we put on our show is is, is a, an attempt to debunk the lies on both sides. Right. And and we make predictions and we talk about what's going on um, later in this this week. We're going to talk about the cartels. Um, but we're mostly focused right now on Ukraine. And I made a prediction um, on your show and also on our show two weeks ago, the first time we saw a looter duct taped to a light pole, right? And I said, if you allow that, it's going to get 10 times worse, right? And so now this week, there are videos coming out that thousands of people have been tortured, beaten, taped to light poles. And now they're taking anyone who speaks Russian at all. Mm taping them to trees and light poles and painting their face blue or they're taking all of the gypsies because they don't like them. So racially motivated attacks and taping them to trees and doing all of these things in a without rule of law society, rule of law is the first thing to go. Yeah, and these yeah. people are taking justice into their own hands. And what stops a guy, for example, he's got a neighbor he doesn't like him and the neighbor have never gotten along. But now there's no police, no one's around, and you're seeing everyone lynching other neighbors for bad things. You go, you know what? I've heard him talking on the phone in Russian. So now everyone in the city comes, grabs that guy, tapes him to a tree, and beats him. Mm. Understand that this is without what this is what without rule of law society looks like. And you might think, yeah, but that only happens where there's no government forces. There are a lot of videos showing the government forces participating in these attacks. So you have to be, you have to, first of all, understand that once rule and rule and, and order is gone, it's gone. A badge means nothing to you. You have to think about your own safety. So understand that. Understand too, that don't participate in those lynchings and things like that. Cause guess what? They'll come for you next, right? What you have to do is oppose it and say, Hey, we're not doing that. You have to retain your morality. And at the end, um, you might not ever have to answer to a government, but in the end, you have to answer to God. And mm -hmm. if you didn't retain your morality, that's on you. So um, that's lesson one. Lesson two is um, don't wait for official sources to tell you what to do. Uh, for example, people in Mariupol were waiting and waiting and waiting for the government to tell them to leave, and the government never told them to leave. Well, then they started trying to leave on their own, and the Azov Battalion stopped them from leaving and told them not to. Then the Russians said, hey, it's okay if you want to leave, but use this road. And as soon as they started to leave and go down that road, um, all the world media reported that, oh, the Russians are attacking everyone on that road. Well, if you, have, if you look at the way that the invasion has progressed, Russia has done everything in their power to not kill civilians. They wouldn't suddenly start in this one place. And I'm certainly not pro-Russia. Uh, their invasion is wrong. They've committed their fair share of war crimes. But we've looked at the angle of fire on some of these attacks, and they didn't come from the Russian side. Yeah. Right? And, and, and it's certainly not above the Azov battalion to drop mortar rounds on civilians fleeing and then say, oh, look, the Russians did it. Um, so 
Well, there could be the, not only that, but there could also be, and I'm just going to say Mercs or outside or globalists or NWO people who want to make everything look as bad as possible so they can go to war with Russia. So you have to take that into consideration. War with Russia. Huh? So you have to be, everyone wants war with Russia. So yeah. you have to be very careful on that. And the thing is, though, is my point is this. If you live in an urban area and there's fighting in your urban area, I don't care what you have to do. Strap on that backpack and get out alone on foot if you have to. Staying is only going to lead to your death. Get out of that area. And, and we're seeing that all over Ukraine. People waiting too long and then being trapped. And people need to understand and teach their kids this stuff, too. You know, I saw some I don't know whether it's a real picture or anything, but like this little kid. And I thought the whole family needs to know about this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, there's some videos um, that we watched of, of the people in Mariupol after they were evacuated by the Russians, I might add. Uh, they're saying, hey, nobody ever came and brought us food and water. Well, guess what? That's on you. You should have brought your own food and water. Right. You should have had food and water stored up and ready. It's not like the war with Russia was a surprise. Right? Yeah, right. It, it was coming for a long time. So make those plans now and be ready to get out. So that's one of the best lessons learned. Um, the other thing is the, these these Reddit battalion and the Ukrainian foreign legion and, and all of that. So what we have is the American media, well, Western media, because it's not just American, the, the British and all the others are doing it too, telling people, come to Ukraine and join the military. Well, the problem is, is they're getting all of these millennials who sit at home and play video games. And they're like, well, when I got there. They told me I had to go to Kiev. I don't want to go to Kiev. You went there and you joined the military. You will go where they tell you to go. Yeah. When we told them we didn't want to go, they threatened to shoot us. Yes. In a combat zone, if you tell your superiors in any military force in the world that you're not going to go where they want you to go, they will shoot you. That's not that's not Ukraine being evil. That's what will happen in the U.S. Army if you say, I'm not going there, and you're in actual combat. They can kill you. Uh, you, you have to understand that, that there are rules to joining a military. And just because you didn't like them afterward doesn't make them the bad guy. Um, the big problem they're having with these battalions and that is as though these kids are getting there, and they're so in love with social media that they're posting their location <laughs> photos for likes. And guess what keeps happening? Every time they do, Russia attacks the location with rockets. Oh my God! Dozens, and and Darwin is at work, right? <sighs> survival of the fittest. But you need to understand that the technologically advanced militaries of the world—Russia, China, United States, England, France—they're able to pinpoint you from your cell phone. So if you're in a contested area, shut off your cell phone. Uh, one of the strikes that happened last night, uh, Russia found because they just searched for all phones active with a plus four four country code, which is United Kingdom. And they found a building that had like 14 United Kingdom phones all in the same building. So guess what they did? They launched a rocket and they killed a whole bunch of foreign fighters. Mm. Um, you, you shut off the phone, right? It's not time for social media. Uh, if you're in a war zone, act like you're in a war zone. That phone is – you shouldn't be using it to connect to anything unless you're actively talking and trying to get out of somewhere. But, Joey, I got to take my selfies in the combat zone. Seriously, Reddit has oh a bigger God. body count than a lot of Russian military units right now. It's insane. Uh, everyone's getting on Reddit, posted their location, and then, bam, they're getting hit. Um, but here's what's crazy. I want to give that warning. 
Do not travel to a foreign country to join their military if you don't want to join their military. It's not an option. After you sign that paper, you go where they want you to go. Oh, I did. They I joined, but then they told me I had to go to Kiev. Well, that's where the fight is. And if you didn't want to go to Kiev, you shouldn't have joined. But now that you did, guess what? There you are. And what's going to happen is, is like this kid from Ohio who put out his viral video that everyone's seen. He's going to get home and the FBI is going to pick him up and send him back to Ukraine on an arrest warrant because the Ukrainian government's going to call him a deserter. And guess what? He is. Oh, my God. Yeah. So you have to be very, very careful if you're traveling somewhere to join their military. It's not a come and go thing, right? A lot of people are going there for what we call, uh, what us professionals call war tourism, right? Oh, my God. I was just going to say that. Yeah. I'm going here and I'm, I'm going to spend three days and then I'm going to go home. And uh, that's dangerous, first of all, if you do it. But second of all, if you go there and you sign a sheet of paper, you're not leaving. You committed to that. It's a contract. So, yeah. Well, probably retired, you know, special forces guys are going to go over there. Retired military, combat military are going to go and they'll be fine. But these the pajama boys ain't doing it. Well, right. And there was one guy who was a, a British soldier who went there and. The first attack they got into, you, you know, he freaked out because the Russians shot back. And he had served his time in Iraq and Afghanistan where you could be a U.S. or British soldier and go to Afghanistan and serve for a year and never see serious combat. You might see one ambush and you might return fire and then the enemy runs away. That's fighting an insurgency. This is not an insurgency. This is a peer-to-peer major armored conflict. So if you shoot at them... They're going to shoot back with rockets and tanks and machine guns, and it's not going to be like fighting some farmer with a bolt-action rifle, right, in Afghanistan. It's it, They're going to come at you with tanks and armored vehicles and rockets and helicopters, and you're not going to have a good day. It's not what you are used to. Uh, our problem is we spent 20 years fighting poor, illiterate farmers, right, no major militaries. Uh, now this is a major conflict between major militaries uh, and it's going to be a lot more bloody and a lot more intense than what a lot of even our own veterans are used to. Unless you were in the Korangal and then you'd be wishing for five minutes where you didn't have fire coming in. Just well, saying. That's true. That's yeah. true. Uh, so and, and I want I want to like Fallujah or Nasarita yeah, yeah. or anything like that. So I want something that you said earlier. I want people to really think about this because the media, if you think. This this is the thing that's making me really nervous because the media has been so aggressively encouraging the depersoning of Russian people. Just the average, like if it's a you know, to pour out your Russian vodka, take all the bank the bank accounts of Russian people. Uh, you know, some average Russian tennis or you know tennis player or athlete or something like that. They have to be canceled. Just think of how chilling that is with regard to people like us, just average you, citizens. We are less than 30 days probably from someone seriously proposing camps for Russians who live here. Yeah. Um, despite all of our talk about how bad it was for the Asians, they're willing to do it for the Russians. Yeah. And I know that yesterday a woman was attacked in Miami or threatened in Miami um, because everyone thought she was the, the, the general consul's daughter. Even if she was the general consul's daughter from Russia, she's not the general consul. Exactly. You can't attack her. Um, and, and the thing is, is I posted a photo the other day as half in jest, but not really, 
Um, I was at Walmart and they have removed the Russian dressing from the aisle. Oh, Russian oh dressing God, isn't God. even from Russia, right? It was created in New York. But the point is, just like you said, they are they are othering everything Russia. But here's now, the thing. Go ahead. Sorry. In Ukraine, um, Mr. I'm defending democracy, um, he took it a step further and he said he's going to ban any political party that ever had any affiliation with Russia. Well, guess what he did? He banned every single political party, including his biggest opposition, which would be like the Republican Party here. He banned them all. And now only his party is allowed to run for things. Um, That's not defending democracy. And don't you think if they had a chance here they would immediately ban the republican party they well, would tucker was talking about that last night and that's why i brought it up all of this behavior okay because i really think you know lafayette lee had talked about this you know a, about a year ago talk about the the global war on terror is soon going to become the domestic war on terror all of this stuff will come back to us domestically just the average citizen so be very be very wary even if you, you know, even if you support, you know, you you are support Ukraine or anything like that, be very wary of this instantaneous rush to deperson people of Russian descent in any capacity whatsoever, just because they happen to be Russian, because that will come back in to us. And by the way, I'm having Russian food tomorrow and I'm going to enjoy it. So people need to shut up. But I want to ask them because if there's been any kind of change in business, because that's how stupid people go with, you know, emotional reaction to situations like this. And by the way, I just want to say, where was your Hong Kong flag and where are all the liberals with their every liberal in America used to have a free Tibet sticker? You know, the Birkenstock were a free Tibet sticker on their car. Where is your free Tibet sticker? Where is your free Taiwan, free Hong Kong? Y'all are quiet as church mouse. But this Zelensky actor with black, you know, stilettos and a mesh shirt goes out there and you're you're up in arms about have to put the Ukraine flag on everything. So you're full of it because you have no idea. You couldn't find Ukraine on a map because you're just acting out of emotion because the Ukraine flag is the new mask. It's the new virtue signaling that you're a good person and bad Russia. And by the way, they hate Russia because they because the people put the Russia hoax affiliated with Trump. They couldn't care less because they love the Soviet Union back in the day. So they're all stupid and they don't know what they're talking about. Well, but, and I'll say it again, that Vladimir Putin is the one thing that stands in the way of their new world order. So yeah. here it is. Yeah. So anyways, and uh, I call him uh, in my latest article, Dead McCain's girlfriend, uh, Lindsey Graham, talking about assassinating. I mean, these these people are so stupid that I can't even believe it. You know, they're going to get a, a World War Three. I'm ready. You know, I joke with you. I text with you. I said, I'm ready. Baby J needs to come back because and I'm fine with the uh, nuclear war because I can't take this nonsense anymore. Uh, <laughs> any parting thoughts as we wrap up, Joe? My parting thoughts are, are pay attention and understand um, that these things can happen here. Uh, and and the biggest caution I want to give everyone is that yesterday, everyone in the administration warned us about an impending major cyber attack saw that listen that doesn't mean it's actually russian it could be a false flag just understand that if they're saying it something is going to happen and be very careful too because we went and withdrew five thousand dollars from the bank today just just to have on hand and uh they wanted to know what we wanted our own money for 
Yeah. Start taking it out piecemeal if you're going to do that. 500 or something like that. Seriously. I know, Agent Jansen, we're just talking theoretically. That's true, though. Yes, I can do whatever I want with my own money. I don't care. Yeah, well, they don't really think that way. That's the problem. And that's, you know, the complacency of the American people have let demons like this get in positions of power. So that's a whole... A whole nother, uh, a whole nother conversation. Right Anyways, uh, thanks again for another great Tactical Tuesdays podcast, Joe. We're covering all the bases here. And again, I want to thank you all for listening. Please share not only with your friends, but on social media to be a force multiplier. We're working with, to provide information which could potentially save lives. Again, always want to reference, you know, I talked to a friend of mine this week um, for St. Patrick's Day, an elderly woman who used to live in New York City. And, I'm, you know, she had a stroke, so she lives in Miami now. And I'm glad because it's not it's you know dangerous for her to be in New York. Look out for the elderly people. All the stuff that we talk about, it's going to be extra hard for them. So if you know any people in your neighborhood or anything like that, check in with them and make sure that they have a lifeline in you. You could potentially save their life if all this stuff goes crazy. You can catch all of our podcasts on my website, Brooke, and teach your kids, of course. Uh, BrookeTalksAmerica.com. They're also on iHeart, Spotify, Podomatic, Apple, and Google. Joe's website tactical-wisdom.com not only are his books available but his great articles so be sure to check those out as i mentioned i got off you know always say i'm not on twitter so i'm on getter so i need if you're on twitter please share these on twitter um and anyways as with all of this stuff hopefully we'll never need it in real time but better to have and not need than need and not have so let's get prepared and see you next week on brook talks america tactical tuesdays with joe dolio thank you as always my friend see you next time <laughs>